Hey, welcome to the Metal Detecting Show, episode number 7. My name is Kieran, and this week I talk about book recommendations and search patterns. We have our regular tech timeout, and of course, some news from the world of metal detecting and treasure hunting. So let's get on with the show. Hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. We're at episode number 7, lucky number 7, and I hope we continue to improve every week. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, I hope you do. So please reach out to me on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast. Or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran, that's C-I-A-R-A-N at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. Hey, I got out this week. I just had to scratch that itch. It was just a quick 90-minute hunt to a local beach within my country's 2-kilometre exclusion zone during the COVID-19 crisis. Now, this beach will not yield much modern finds and I won't expect to ever find jewellery on it, as it's not a swimming beach, very heavy on the stones, the type of beach everyone brings their dogs for a walk or launches their kayaks off. However, as a site for potential relics or old finds, then this is a great spot, and as such, I've had to adjust my hunting style to suit what I'm searching for. This beach is near the entrance of an old World War I US seaplane base, and also the site of an old pier built in the 1830s, and most importantly, there are no registered sites of archaeological importance nearby. So during the travel restrictions, this beach will become my muse. I will talk later about search patterns during the tech timeout, but I only had about two hours available to me due to tides and outside commitments. I undertook a meandering scout of the site with the Equinox 800 on Beach 2, finding a wild gamut of finds from old iron to modern coinage. Pictures are up on my Instagram at the Metal Detecting Podcast if you want to check them out. What I found very interesting, there wasn't much beach trash, if you know what I mean, and what I mean is pull tabs, of which I had one, file containers of which I had one, and that's it. No bottle tops or cans. Now don't get me wrong, there was a lot of iron in the shape of nails and nuts and bolts, which I managed to leave behind this time. My next hunt will be a full-on tight gridded search using the 6-inch coil on the CTX3030, and I'll keep you posted of course. On to what I want to talk about today, and that is a book recommendation. Not a paid advertisement or a review really, just the type of book recommendation that every metal detector needs to have in their toolbox, but often neglect to purchase. This is a Spinks book, or similar in their collection, and what I mean here is a book that catalogues the history of coinage of your country, or if you're lucky to travel the world metal detecting, then it is always handy to have a book of coinage from any country you detect in. Why I like Spinks, apart from the great titles they have on their books, such as Arab Byzantine coins from the Irbit Horde, including a new introduction to the series and a study of the pseudo-Damascus mint by Goodwin, they are in the business of buying and selling and auctioning coins and artifacts, so it is in their interest to ensure their data is up to date and correct. They can potentially lose money on an incorrect valuation, so in my opinion, they have a lot to lose in publishing incorrect data. Unlike me, for example, who can say anything I want here and risk nothing more, only a disinterested listener with my opinions. So you won't see me write a coin book anytime soon, but back to the coin book I'm talking about. My version I rely on heavily for both find research and the accumulation of imaginary internet points is the third edition of Coins of Scotland, Ireland and the Islands, the pre-decimal issue. 
I think it is no longer in print as they have a newer version available which includes some Gallic coins. Also, the price of these books can range from 20 bucks for a digital version to 200 bucks for a physical copy and can cover so many diverse topics, so I guarantee there's one to suit your monetary finds pouch. So why am I recommending a book for your tool chest of metal detecting? Well, I far too often see, when I'm lurking on the forums online, people who have invested several thousands in equipment but post pictures of find that would clearly be identifiable if only they knew where to look or had a book for reference. I have read commentary where people will refuse to spend 50 bucks on a book as they believe it far too expensive an investment for something that they will only use rarely. But think about what it brings to your enjoyment of your hobby. When you find a kind for example and spend an hour looking in your book to find all about it by yourself this my friend will peak the same brain receptors that drive us to go metal detecting in the first place and will deliver the same dopamine hit when successful. If you don't find it then, by all means go online and ask for an identification. But don't be one of those guys who you see putting up every find they have asking for identification as I believe you are depriving yourself of another facet of the hobby and that is the research of your finds and indirectly depriving yourself of an education in the process. So get a book for yourself, spend the money. Reach out to me, tell me what books you like and how they have helped you in the past. On to this week's Tech Time Out, where I discuss search patterns. Time for Tech Time Out! Okay, this week I want to discuss search patterns and how to approach a site on first detecting. Firstly, one of the biggest newbie mistakes when metal detecting is not sticking to a search pattern. I've done it myself. I've gone to a site and just started metal detecting, meandering around with no direction or strategy. Gary Drayton, a beach detecting personal hero of mine, says to keep your search pattern tight, ensuring to overlap your swing. Gary, who I've asked for an interview, but let's wait and see, says he will spend hours just working a small piece of beach, ensuring 100% coverage and the majority of times will come out with more than the person who sees a beach and attacks it, thinking they must cover the whole beach in one day with a loose swing making a sinusoidal pattern across the beach. They may completely cover the beach, but in reality they, are, they have only searched about 20% of the beach with the metal detector. I have to admit I have been that person, especially when I'm tired and lack discipline. But when I look back at my best days detecting, it has always been when I was patient enough to think of how I wanted to search the site and disciplined enough to stick to it. Before we chat about search patterns, there's one thing that needs to be right first, and that's your swing. If your swing is all over the place, too fast and not overlapping while maintaining the coil parallel to the ground, then a search pattern will not help you at all. You will be better off using a stick and a horseshoe if that's not the case. So assuming you're up to scratch on your swing style, let's talk about search patterns. So in starting a new site, I break it down into three passes, with the first pass being a scouting search of the site, where I go quickly through a site, making note of any hotspots or spots of high trash, and gather as much information about the site as I can. I then follow up with two passes of whatever search pattern I like, and I think is useful depending on the site. I'm sure I've tried them all from aerial sea search patterns to the Union Jack pattern, but I have found these types of patterns more suitable to the initial scouting search and not to the complete 100% coverage search pattern. So no one can compete with the simple overlapping parallel line. Now, 
a simple sequence of over and back overlapping parallel lines is not enough. You need to grid your search area also. Say, for example, you do one sweep of a site over and back with overlapping sweeps. You're not taking into account how the find is sitting in the ground. You may need to approach it from a 45 degree line to your initial parallel line just to be able to hear it. So unless you can come back to a site several times, my recommendation is to grid the site in 10 meter or 30 feet square sections. But if you actually can mark it out, then do so. But you may need to use landmarks to ensure you stay on course and within the grid. So remembering the hotspots identified in your initial scouting hunt, I would locate my first 30 foot square grid there. And like I said, if you want to mark it out, do so. This will help you stay disciplined and ensure full coverage of the site. This is when I would adopt the parallel search up and down the square, ensuring to keep a tight overlapping swing. When you have completed this second sweep, remember you have already done a scouting sweep of the site. And for the third search, I would approach the square from a 45 degree angle and repeat the search. I then continue this process on through the remaining grid squares till the site is thoroughly searched. So to summarize these points up to now. 1. Do a scouting hunt to identify any hotspots or how trashy the site is. 2. Divide the site into 30 feet square grids and mark out if necessary. 3. Pick the squares where any hotspots were located and carry out a second pass parallel to your imaginary borders of the grid. 4. Remembering the imaginary grid border, I start my third pass at 45 degrees to this border. And number five, rinse and repeat for any remaining squares on the site. Now, what this three pass method and search pattern allows you to do is have confidence that the site has been thoroughly hunted and that you have found anything that was within the capability of your detector to find. Remember, there is no such thing as a perfect metal detector. Now, there's different variations of the same search patterns and some people add an extra sweep or search just to remove all rubbish from the site and some people take into account the shape of the terrain and focus on dips before engaging in any gridding of a site. Whatever pattern or method you adopt, adopting a search pattern and ensuring you are disciplined and meticulous to stick to it will allow you to find finds no one else is finding. So, when someone says to you that such and such a site is hunted out, just take that as a challenge to adopt a tight search pattern and prepare to gloat about all those juicy finds and bags of gold you found on their hunted out site. So that's it for this week's Tech Timeout. Next week, we discuss the news and views from the world of treasure hunting and metal detecting. Okay, time for the news and views from the world of metal detecting and treasure hunting from around the world. Magnet fishing is in the news again this week, as in visordown.com, they discuss a recent video of guys pulling out stolen bikes from local canals, highlighting their concern and anguish that this activity brings to people who have had their bikes stolen as they watch on with morbid fascination. And another story about magnet fishing in the news this week in the newsdecoder.com, the Kingsler brothers stumble across some unique treasures while filming for their YouTube channel. These treasures include mountain bikes and guns, which all required police investigations. There seems to be a deep media interest these days in magnet fishing. I don't know if it's driven by its rising popularity on social media or by the nature of the finds, which can tend to be stolen or illegal and dumped after the fact. It may be short-lived, 
but any publicity in media for our hobbies is a benefit to the hobby as a whole. And that's it for this week's news and views from the world of metal detecting. With this story and all the stories this week, the links are in the show notes. Okay, that's it. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast. If you want to contribute or have suggestions for topics to cover, pop us an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. That's Kieran, C-I-A-R-A-N, at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. Don't forget to check out our website, www.TheMetalDetectingShow.com, for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Just search for The Metal Detecting Show. Once again, I hope you enjoyed number seven and we will catch up with you all again next week. Get out there and happy hunting.